Several years ago, I don't know how many years ago it was, my heart began to act up. That's when I met Ginger. <laughs> and a few years later, uh, it began to miss a beat and kick a beat and so forth and so on. So they run me down to the emergency down here and they said I had AFib. I don't know what that is. So they put in some hardware and stuff, you know, and I don't know if it works or not. It costs a lot of money. And there was a very, very special little lady that night on duty, uh, the nurse there. I did not know her name, and I did not know her mom and dad. But later on, mom and dad moved to the area and joined our church. And come to find out, this young lady was a born-again Christian. She takes credit for saving my life, so if you want to get even, you go ahead and do that with her. But she is going to Africa as a missionary, medical missionary who's flying in the helicopters to help the refugees. And uh, I would like for you to pray for Miss Valerie Crook. She was a precious thing. She's already gone through training. She's leaving very quick, very soon. Mom and Daddy, member of our church, and uh, so if you, if you need somebody else to pray for, I know she needs a prayer and you need to practice, so that would be good if you'd just do that. Valerie Crook, I'd hate to think that one of my kids was going to go over there in a dangerous, dangerous situation. So if you would be so kind as to pray for her, if you would, please, and uh, we'll put her on the prayer list, all right? Well, it's good to see you. How many of you glad you're here? What about them cowgirls? <laughs> you thought I was going to get in a mess, right? In your Bible today, I'm going to try to preach to you out of the book of Matthew, chapter number 12. Matthew, chapter number 12. So good to see you here today. And uh, if you would like to help the Central Baptist Church and Brother Bobby Buchanan and little Bobby Buchanan, uh, I think... I don't know about you. Many of our folks are businessmen and business people, and you do know somewhat about payroll and so forth and so on. And uh, you probably know something about floating paper. I don't know anything about it, but uh, some folks know about floating paper. What you do, you write a check on this bank, and hoping that the money will get to that bank out of this bank because you got no money in either bank. But... Um, uh, the payroll goes on, the utilities goes on, everything goes on, and if the congregation cannot meet, it's a, it's a tremendous burden. You witness that around here in the winter when you have one of those ice days and nobody shows up. And you know everybody sends their offering right in because they didn't come and they know that the thing goes on and, yeah, right. So, uh, I, I, I really, I believe the Lord has spoken to our hearts and we're the kind of church that uh, believes in helping those of like faith and, and uh, I just want to do something special. Uh, I want to uh, take a look at Matthew chapter 12. Uh, it's uh, 20 minutes till I'm going to preach a one hour message in 20 minutes. Okay, so let's hurry. 
Matthew 12 and verse 43. I'd like to just begin reading there for just a moment. And the Bible says, oh, by the way, we're so honored that you visitors are here today. And tomorrow is back to school day, I think. Is that right? Brother Markham, is the little Markham ready to go? She's prepared and ready to go, right? Got your uniform, right? Ready to go. Brother Ben is ready to go. Four-year-old going to school. Dear Lord, if my folks had done that to me, I'd have haunted them. I talked them out of sending me to school till I was 12. I had no trouble in kindergarten. I passed right on through. And Brother Ben will start tomorrow. Miss Caitlin will start tomorrow. My office will be in shape after tomorrow. <laughs> we used to use a vacuum cleaner in my office. But since Caitlin came to work, now I use a rotor tiller. What a precious thing it is. I'll be down at school tomorrow watching all the young kids coming. Boys, is our football team ready? One guy. <laughs> Buddy, we're going to have a barnstormer. One guy on the football team, right? <laughs> all right. Maybe you could do like your co-pastor. He never did like the game of football. Curly, raise your hand. You playing? That wimp next to you playing? <laughs> oh, that wasn't a wimp. Oh, I, oh, I, uh, Andrew played football from self-defense. He got the ball and outrun everybody on the field. Amen. Well, I'm glad we're, we're about to start back to school. Watch this now and be very careful as I read, and then I'll explain the context of the verses, okay? And then I will try to explain to you a spiritual application to we who are here today. The Bible says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and findeth none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh with himself seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also under this wicked generation. The unclean spirit out of a man did not, was not cast out, but left on his own free will. The application of these verses is to the nation of Israel. God called Israel and God blessed Israel above every nation. God gave them the law. And God gave them the law and by that law, religiously, Israel cleaned up. 
but did not replace that which left with that which was good, and that was God. And after a while, society, Satan, the world, flesh, and sin came back to visit the house again. And he brought with him seven spirits more wicked and vile than he himself. And the last state of Israel is worse than the beginning. A spiritual application could be to that sinner who is vile and ugly, mean, wicked. The Bible describes him as having a heart that is deceitful and desperately wicked. And one day, he hears the gospel. One day, God cleans that vile, ugly heart and washes it in the blood of Christ. And the house is clean and spotless. Empty, the Bible says. Clean, saved. On his way to heaven, but empty. And so the spirit that left decides he'll come back. Do you know any Christians that don't live like it? Do you know anybody that has been saved? Saved and know they're saved. Yet, what proceeds out of their mouth and what encompasses their life is no worse than what goes on in the average bar or honky-tonk, hellhole, whorehouse, or whatever you might think. Would it be all right if I preached you the light's on but nobody's home? (laughs) Until we're going to have fun already. Can't you tell something's coming on? Brother Markham, you look like you know. You already buckled your seatbelt. <laughs> and it's difficult to get across to people, especially people who have never been saved, that their heart is deceitful. Have you ever heard this saying, if I know my heart? You do not know your heart. The Bible says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful and des- desperately wicked. Some of you guys fell in love with more girls in high school than you can shake a stick at. Oh, this is it. Oh, this is her. Yes, bless God till somebody else walks by. <laughs> that's the car for me. Yes, sir. That's the one I want. That's the one I've been saving my money for. I want one with a turkey on the hood. And then you make two payments, you find out the turkey's not on the hood, he's behind the wheel. 
The heart is desperately wicked and very deceitful. And you and I need to explain to everybody who comes to this church or we come in contact with, their heart needs to be washed, cleansed, and made pure. But what we also need to tell them is that Jesus Christ is the only one that can clean their heart. There's nothing that can wash away our sins but the blood of Jesus Christ. And we need to realize, need to tell and need to correspond with everybody we know that Christ died just for them. The preacher told me the night that I got saved in my living room 50 years ago. He told me and he looked me straight in the eye and I did not realize this. But he said, Gene, if you'd been the only sinner in the world, Christ would have died just for you. That made it personal. That's when the Holy Spirit of God took the spear of love and poked in my old heart and tears began to flow down my cheek when I found out that Jesus died especially for me. For a nobody. I couldn't even spell valedictorian when I graduated. So I hired our valedictorian. Later fired him because he was a deadbeat. But you know something else we need to tell folks that get saved? The devil is always looking for somebody who's got the welcome mat out to come back in. The devil never, never, never stops trying to get back in. Some of you could testify to the fact that he's been ringing your doorbell trying to get back in. And many have allowed him to come back in. Oh, they're saved, but nobody knows it but them and Jesus. And the devil's knocked and we've opened And sure as the world, he's come back in as sure as we're here today. And once the Lord cleanses of our sins, Satan continues to try to move back into our life. Now, he cannot get our eternal life. And once you're saved, you're always saved. But he knows he can ruin your testimony. He sure can. And he knows that you know that you have eternal life and you shall never perish. But he also knows when to put the ball games on television. Please, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. He also knows how to reach your taste buds. He also knows who you need to be talking to down at the job. That might get you a little sidetracked in your Christian testimony. You see, he can't steal your soul if saved. But the devil can rob you of all that is sweet, all that is precious, all that is lasting, all that is wonderful. You see, David, in the Bible, the guy after God's own heart, 
He said, after he had fallen into the sin of lust and lasciviousness and fornication. You remember what David said in Psalms 51? He said, Lord, return unto me the joy of thy salvation. Now, as I look at faces today, as I talk to folks today, saved folk don't act like they're saved. You see, something has happened. Somebody's robbed us of our joy. Uh, Somebody's robbed us of our Christian testimony and somebody's robbed us of our good deeds and Somebody's robbed us of our peace and our song of praise. Uh, I, I just believe if we let him, Satan will steal everything except our eternal life. And church attendance will no longer be important. Softball, baseball, ping pong, and horseshoes will take place of church. And our joy will disappear. I just believe with all of my heart, every day Satan is walking up and down, back and forth. And I know he never comes at your house because he stays busy over at my house. Man, I wish Ginger would straighten out. I've got her name on this sermon right here. Ginger's sermon, dear Lord. And I bet some of you guys said, I wish my wife would listen to this. But every day, every day the devil is walking to and fro in this earth, seeing who's got the welcome mat out. Just a little crack in the door, just a little crevice in the door, just uh, just, uh, the wrong friend down at the schoolhouse, just uh, 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 an acquaintance down at the job, uh, uh, just uh, a little unkind word, just, just... just a little crack so that the devil can come in and see that nobody is home. You see, either the devil's going to run the show or God's going to run the show. Either the Holy Spirit of God is going to give orders or the unholy spirit is going to give orders. And it's just a matter of who you got the welcome mat out for. And I just say today, I just kind of help you a little bit, and I'll give you a kind of an illustration. Someone has said that America is probably one of the great superpowers of the world. And when a conflict arises, such as in Iraq or Afghanistan, America goes in and cleans up the mess. And then they back off and go home and they leave a vacuum. A vacuum for Russia, ISIS, Iran. Have we seen that happen? I said, have we seen that happen? The devil always takes advantage of a vacuum. Have you got to welcome that out?
You say, I'm not doing anything wrong. Are you doing anything good? Hmm? I'm just saying, bless your heart, two things the devil will never do. He will never stop trying to keep you lost and send you to hell. He'll give you more excuses why you don't need to be saved. He'll give you 10,000 reasons why you don't need to be a Baptist. And you don't need to be a Baptist to go to heaven. I don't even think half of them are going. Amen. But the devil will give you every reason in the world why you shouldn't be saved today. He'll tell you tomorrow. He'll tell you to put it off. He'll tell you, you don't need to do that. And the devil will never, never quit trying to keep you lost. I was sitting in a lady's house one day, talking to about a 20-some-year-old man on her couch. This is her son. They're not of the Baptist faith, but that's okay. I try to win Baptists to the Lord every week. And I was sitting on the couch, had a soul in his New Testament out, trying to win this 20-some-year-old man to Christ. And I just told him what the Bible said. There's none righteous, no, not one, not, not one. Uh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Wherefore, by one sin, or by one man, sin into the world, so death by sin, so death passed upon men, so that all have sinned. And I got down to that verse where it said, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How many folk believe that verse? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And me and that young man on the couch, I said, now, young man, if you'll bow your head right now and invite Jesus Christ into your heart, he will save you right now. And I said, would you like to do that? He said, yes, sir, I sure would. And I bowed my head and I was listening to him pray and I heard something that sounded like I don't know what in the world. But mama had gone into the kitchen and got a dish pan and a big wooden spoon and came through the house. Bang, 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 bang. Well, that guy quit praying immediately. He thought maybe the Russians had arrived. But the devil... We'll do anything in the world to keep you from being saved. He will use every excuse you can imagine. I was preaching at the rescue mission years ago. That's where I learned to preach. That's why I don't preach any better than I do. And I had preached at the rescue mission and these derelicts and homeless folks and drunks and alcoholics and dope heads and everything else. And I learned to preach to this bunch of folk. And uh, I used to go down to the rescue mission every Saturday night praying that the guy that's supposed to preach would have a wreck. That way I could preach. You say, you didn't do that. Yes, I did. That probably wasn't what I ought to do, but that's what I ought to do. And I gave the invitation one night and a well-dressed individual, didn't look like a person that hung out at the rescue mission, was sitting on the third pew and they got a group of these chairs, folding chairs, ganged together, locked together. And I gave the invitation that night. And as I gave the invitation, I just yielded to the folks. I said, now, if the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to your heart and you'd like to be saved tonight, would you just come right now? And this fellow on the third row 
grabbed a hold of the pews like that, picked that whole row of chairs up and slapped them on the ground and said, get away from me. Well, first thing, I wasn't near him. And the second thing, if he picked that row of chairs up, I ain't going close to him. And I said again, if you'd like to receive Christ right now and be assured that heaven is your home, would you come and be saved? Again, he picked that whole row of chair, slapped it down on the ground and yelled, get away from me. Now, who do you think he is talking to? Not to me. The Holy Spirit of God was dealing in that young man's life. And he said, no, sir. I would rather have the devil running my life. I would rather be a derelict, an alcoholic, a dopehead, and sleep in trash cans as to get saved. The devil will never, never, never give up on you. He'll do everything he can to keep you right where you are. And the next thing I'd like to tell you is once you get saved, the devil will never let you alone. You say, well, man, there ain't much to this. Yeah. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I want you to know, the night I got saved 50-some years ago, I got a close and ain't even through my introduction. In fact, I ain't even into anything. Just been goofing around here and hadn't done a thing in the world. What was I going to say? Introduction. introduction. You folk like introductions? <laughs> and once you were saved, the devil just keeps on and keeps on and keeping on. And here's the thing. I don't have time to finish. But Satan has some methods by which he builds strongholds in our life. I think today we call them addictions. Strongholds that the devil builds in our lives that becomes what we call habits but they're not habits at all. Somebody from the inside who found the house clean but empty, saved but not filled with God, saved and not filled with the Word of God, saved but empty. And he moves back in. And he builds strongholds that runs our life. Do you know Christians who are more miserable today than they were when they got saved? They're as confused as a grasshopper sitting in the middle of the freeway with his hopper broken. Well, I don't know which denomination or which abomination I ought to join. I'm just searching for the church of my choice. 
What do you know about church? What's your standard by judging the church of your choice? Well, one makes me feel good. Billy Bob's will do that. Uh-huh. Cowboys will do that if they're winning. Rangers do that if they're winning. The problem is, most Christians are saved, but empty. And that is an invitation for the devil to come in. You know what the Bible said? And I want to close. I want to. Ephesians chapter 4. Neither give place to the devil. Neither give place to the devil. Tonight at 6.30 when the service starts here at Joshua Baptist Church. If you're a member and you're not here. You open in the crack of the door. Well, I got things to do. Yeah, I know. Neither give place to the devil. Why do you think God wrote 1 John? The Bible says in 1 John verse 9, If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. How many believe that? How many believe that God will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness? The best illustration I know to illustrate that verse is my grandkids. When they have what's known as an old-fashioned country accident and the air becomes polluted for three counties around. And if that darling little baby is sitting in my lap, fellowship was just broken. Come and get this stinking kid and what have you been feeding him? What dead rat did you fry for this kid? Fellowship is broken. Relationship is not still my grandkid. He just, he's my stinking grandkid. (laughs) And something has interrupted our fellowship. Not relationship now. They come and get that little stinker. Take him outside with a water hose. That's how I do it. That's why Andrew is 30 degrees standing on the porch and I'm squirting him and having a ball. And Andrew's saying, I'll get even with you one day. I'll be bigger than you and I'll whoop you good. Put a little of that Johnson baby powder. Don't that smell good on that little nasty thing wrap him up in one of them self-adhesive diapers I like them pens Andrew's got 
scars on his side, so does Mandy. Where I... And they bring that little grandkid back to Grandpa, smelling like Johnson's baby powder. Clean. Our fellowship has been renewed. Now, how do you think your sin smells to God, Christian? Your sin is what hung his son on the cross. His sin is why God became man. So that you might suffer like man suffered and be tempted in all fashions such as us, yet without sin. That's why First John was written to Christians. And the Bible said, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sin, if we've allowed the devil to take advantage, if our temper has gone awry, if our emotions has gone awry, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to cleanse us, sprinkle us with baby powder, and make us smell fresh and new again so that the child of God and the God of the child is fellowshipping once again. But if you've opened the door and allowed Satan to come in, God and Satan has nothing in common. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Amen.